So here's what happened as a proud member of the But Why Though podcast community. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of So Here's What Happened. I'm your host, Nisha. And I'm joined by... Carolyn, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> yes, what's up indeed. We are back. Well, first and foremost, it has been a while. We have skipped July in favor of, well, there was like a conflict with, with trips. Also, Carolyn, you were busy off doing famous people things, doing fam- having fun at SDCC. Yes. And other things. Uh, yes, I did. I went to SDCC in July, visited some of my friends and family in, um, at Los Angeles. And then in August, it was quite an exciting time for me health-wise. Like, you know, mm-hmm. my body decides needs to give me a break. Like, I really need a break. <laughs> but yeah, it was exciting. Yeah. Um, I, I love being in LA. Not the traffic, though. I bet not. <laughs> not, not. Not the traffic. And those people do not know how to drive like no one indicates like you just switch lanes randomly why see and i think that's maybe like my one big thing that is stopping me from going to visit la is like i know the traffic is terrible there and i well i thankfully i'm not gonna drive if i ever go out there but i need to get out there one day i just don't want to drive in it (laughs) yeah no i love la like i love visiting um my friend Esther, who I stayed with. Thank you, Esther. Thank you, Dominique, her mm-hmm. mom. And Lara Sirikul visited her and her husband and her family. And I got to see Aww. a lot of friends, Chris Lam, um, in L.A. So it was, it was a really good trip. I, 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 I'm happy that I went. That's good. That's every, everyone should have one of them trips because I have a few on my list that I want to cross off for next year. I need to add a late to the list. But I'm glad you had a great time and you got to go to SDCC, which if y'all haven't heard them yet, Carolyn has done a few interviews for the podcast and she's gotten a few reviews. But why, though, I highly recommend checking them out. Um, yeah. So don't miss out on all that stuff. So even though we haven't been together recording, you have been busy. Mm-hmm. So... But we are back now, and we are going to be covering what we watched and read for the month of August. So let's kick things off with our reading corner. What'd you read, girl? Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) The reason I didn't read anything was... True. The uh, Part of my... I guess you could say quote-unquote reading was transcribing interviews while I was at SDCC um, mm. because I did coverage for that both about Waido and also for comicsbeat.com so I did a lot of typing and then I was mm-hmm. recovering from surgery so I couldn't do literally could not do any reading or typing or anything mm. until this past That's week. right. This past week so I did not crack open a book for the whole of August um, mm. but I'm looking to catch up in um, September and I need to start recording reading again so i didn't do any reading so i did a lot of typing though but no I'll, gotcha. I'll start Look, back. that's true you, i forgot i forgot you mentioned that so no that's right you you rest those eyes yeah rest the <laughs> eyes rest, and the brain <laughs> yep rest it but it's all good because in that case I'll, I'll go ahead and share what i read so for mine i'm keeping up with more of my man- manga reviews mm-hmm. for but why though so this one was a a piece that I recently did. It's called, titled Ryoko Volume 1. It's written and drawn by Eldo Yoshimizu. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Yoshimizu. Um, 
And as a crime thriller manga, it tells the gritty, bloody, and be- beautiful story of a powerful and fearsome Yakuza princess named Ryuku. Ryuku took o- took over her family's game after she was forced to kill her father and now oh. seeks revenge for the people that kidnapped her mother. Um, it's published by Titan Comics and it's through their hard case crime in print. And it's actually the first time that the manga was translated into English. And it is a beautiful masterpiece to just like, you don't even have to read it. You can just like flip through the pages and enjoy like how um, the artist draws the different scenes. It's very film noir, like it's very like gangster, like mm. like you know like the classic gangster stories oh. and crime stories. Oh, so it's kind of like how um, the raid comics is written. Because remember we were discussing. I think that was one mm. of the last things that I had read, and we discussed it in. Um, Actually, that was in our June podcast, and like we both were saying, how is it has a very film noir feel to to the how the um, animation is drawn. So it's, it's similar to yeah. that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so because it's just like it's like it gives me themes of Kill Bill with Cowboy Bebop, like. Mm. It's just like the style is striking. The characters just like draw attention to you. I especially love that this, the characters, for one, um, not just like about design, but also development. Mm-hmm. So when you meet a character, like almost every character you meet, you think ass- you have assumptions up about them. But then as the story progresses, you get like a flashback. And the interesting thing about the story overall for this volume is it's not linear. It's not like solely linear on one character or or like everything revolves around um, the main character, Ryuku. But at the same time, it's really important that we see that the world isn't black and white. So when you hear that she's some Yakuza princess that killed her father, people assume that she's just like this cold-hearted murderer who's greedy when it's like in actuality, the reason she killed her killed her father was to protect a child from being murdered because she had promised to save that child's life. So it's like every it's like showing how everyone's connected, but it's also showing how even though the characters have done bad things, you you find that they did them with good intentions. It's, mm. it's like the saying, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And I was just like, this book is literally that. It's just like everyone has their own motives and intentions and they do what they have to do in order to, to help the ones they love or the people they care about or for like their sense of justice. It's funny you mention that because the we're going to get into it later, but the film that I, I'm, I'm going to talk about is... Um, Sympathy for Lady Vengeance by our mm. no shorthand as Lady Vengeance by Park Chan Wook. It's kind of similar in this. It has a mm. similar themes of like the road to hell is paved with bad, um, bad intentions, with good intentions, and you know, yeah. like people having uh, seeking justice but going about it in the not quite um, best way. <laughs> To put it my yeah. way. No, yeah. that's that's accurate, which is like, I think it's always something I like to see in storytelling because I don't, the world just isn't in black and white. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like, it makes it obviously like some things I'd be like, why aren't y'all going to the police? And then you realize, ah, that's right. They can't go to the police because they're gangsters. And what's going to happen? They're all going to die anyway. So they have to take the law into their own hands. But it's also like, it's, I think it's interesting when characters who you automatically think are um, evil from mm-hmm. just like reading about them and then you you get more development and more sh- like 
I like having more built around a character than just being assumed that like, oh, this is an assassin and they're just a cold, hard-blooded assassin. I'm not talking about everyone has to have a tragic backstory, but I do like understanding the motives behind the characters because I think that adds more to them overall and from their different perspectives of how things were handled mm-hmm. so and yeah so oh but if you want to segue like you said we can kind of segue into what you want to talk about with yours oh so that's so that's, that's it for the manga yeah i mean i don't want to give too much away oh, i kind of sure. did a review and i was gonna link it into the um show notes i am excited for volume two the one sad thing the bittersweet thing about this is that it's only going to be two volumes. Mm-hmm. So the next volume will close it out. Oh, but I will add the action sequences are drawn like it makes you have the anxiety as if you were in the shootout. Like the the artist, I just I talked to him a little bit on Twitter. He's amazing. Like what he's what he does. He wasn't originally a manga artist. Like originally the character Raiku, she appeared, he's an artist, like a sculptor, mm. in, a famous art, sculptor in Japan, and he has done other gallery work, and the character originally appeared in one of his galleries, and I'm just like, that's just so cool, and you can see, like, all the intention he puts in, like, to the artwork that he does is to contribute to the story, so I just highly recommend it for y'all to check it out. Again, it's from Titan Comics that publishes it, um, highly recommended, and it's only two volumes, so y'all can get right through that and I think the next volume is coming up in October mm. so I look forward to reviewing that um, and I just want to last thing I want to blow all of them up like the pictures up and frame them when I get my apartment because that's how beautiful I, feel. I really enjoy do it. it do it yeah but on to yeah that concludes the reading corner on to TV um, so for me for TV show. We're doing TV shows next. So mm-hmm. I watched Wu Assassins. Oh yes! And so I love the show, and mm-hmm. it stars Iko Uis. So anyone who knows me and who's seen my Twitter, and I've talked about this film before, and I even mentioned the comic, The Raid. Like the Raid, the two Raid films are the series are like two of my all time favorite movies of any genre. Um. These films are badass, and so I love Iko Uis, and it also has Louis Tan, who was in the last two seasons of Into the Balance, and it also mm-hmm. stars Byron Mann, um, Lee Jun Lee, and it has a wonderful cast. It's mainly a, it's like mainly Asian, and it's it's it's, it's a very unique show in the fact that it it covers a lot of. Or it's just it's influenced by a lot of genres and it's mm-hmm. martial arts first things first and it has like fantasy and mythology and, and a lot of mythological elements because it's about these fa- these Wu assassins are otherwise known as the which is all which Wu is five in Mandarin and it's about so these five not strangers because um, four of them know each other they, but they have to come together and they have to defeat um, their main um, these two main baddies which is Uncle Six played by Byron Mann and then the second one is Alec McCullough played by Tom, Tommy Flanagan and he has and they have to get these what's the word you what, what would I call them the elements they, they all basically signify different elements but there's like there's yeah. water there's water fire earth metal mm-hmm. and earth and I'm missing one 
Is there air? air? But I think there's air. Is it? But is it really air though? Because um, uh, Iko's character, who's um, Kaijin, he is mm-hmm. known as the Wu assassin. So he's like. A combination. I think he's a combination of all of them, correct? Um, mm-hmm. But we haven't seen him like, like as like for instance, project like water or metal. But it looks to me is like he can absorb them or then deflect them. Like if he touches, like for instance, Uncle Six, he he was the fire woo, right? And he, his gotcha. thing was he could manipulate fire. And when he and Kai fought, Kai would like could either deflect the fire or absorb it and, and push it back out so mm-hmm. it looks to me like he he could be air but it looks like he could be all of them he, he could he could like absorb all of them and use them how how he needs to but it is it i think the film does a very good job of positive asian and asian american representation and the reason i say mm-hmm. this is because there are no stereotypical asian characters um they all have their own problems they have like one of them which is tommy played by um lawrence kyle he is a recovering drug addict and his sister uh his sister jenny is played by legion lee she's one of my favorite characters she's a restaurateur she's um running her parents restaurant and they have mm. this struggle with their family which a lot of people in the Asian community and those outside could relate to where they 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 are trying to live up to certain expectations and mm-hmm. you see them struggling with this but now they also have to struggle with this whole thing of becoming assassins and Kai he has the struggle of being uh, finding out that the man who raised him Uncle Six is now his enemy and there's this whole this struggle that each of them have personally where they have to figure out who do I want to be and like what does being a woo assassin entail what is this new responsibility like do I want to be a hero for the world and that kind of thing mm-hmm. and then there's also um, um, Louis Tan's character which is uh, Lee Lucien and his his thing is that he's a gangster but he also mm-hmm. he's also dealing with a lot of uh, emotional um, turmoil and the fact he was scarred when he was young and he and he and he has a lot of he has a lot of vulnerability and I thought it was interesting if we see someone who's like who can like kick anyone's ass but he all he's he shows a lot of vulnerability and insecurities because of his scars and mm. and that's interesting to see because like he's a like Louis Tan is like drop that guard this man and you see this man yeah. that a lot of people would be like oh he he's he's good looking he has all these scars he's sexy he's he he's badass he knows how to fight but you don't know that yeah. he's struggling with having these scars right and and he's insecure, mm-hmm. and I think that's and I think that's really good. And the writing, admittedly, the first few episodes were a little was a little wobbly, but they mm-hmm. the writing team found their stride by episode four, I would say, and the direct um and that was really good. And then the directing um is really good. I love the directing and the action sequences. Like one of my biggest pet peeves when it comes to action sequences is if you cannot follow one, you can't follow the fighting, and you can't tell what's going on, and two, when yeah. like they're punching and when they're hitting like you don't see the punches connect because there's a lot of quick cuts and that's something that's very symptomatic in North American action films but mm-hmm. thank gosh for this show they did not do that like you saw the follow through with punches you saw the, the editing was done really well the camera angles was really interesting and I love the editing like the like the transitioning from scenes was really interesting too and mm-hmm. I think the show like I, I'm hoping that Netflix gives it a season two because it deserves it for for um, not only for the storytelling, but also because it's just like a very visually interesting show, and I think it's one of the more unique shows on Netflix because of that. And um, mm-hmm. 
and it's like again it's a it's a it's one of the few shows where you have like a main Asian cast the only other show that has that North American show anyway is um, Kim's Convenience which is a Canadian comedy and Warrior Mm -hmm. right so there's only three shows three North American shows where you have mainly Asian cast and I think you need that for Netflix I think Netflix desperately needs us because they've been cutting a lot of shows that have people color leads (sighs) and if they were to cut Wu Assassin like it would be a massive problem for them as like Netflix needs to start their show when it comes to that yeah, and I really hope they don't. I mean, like, I think by, like, there's been a few articles um, recently coming out of, like, Netflix, like, the, I guess the studies show is that, like, they feel that the best time, like, the best amount of time to give a show is, like, two to three seasons. And I mean, like, I really hate that model. I get, like, they're trying to save money and then, like, they don't have to re-up contracts. But it's, like, when you see that they do it all the time there's some shows like orange is the new black that's gone on for several seasons beyond and it's a netflix series and then there's shows like one day at a time which i feel like they always put it on the chopping block mm-hmm. and i don't know it wasn't until most recently that they actually cut it off but i'm glad it got picked up by pop but the point is i don't care for this model of like continually putting shows on the chopping block i'm like can you or like giving it a deadline of two seasons because then it puts so it puts so much pressure on the writing team yeah, um, two like, seasons is not enough. It. Yeah, two seasons is not enough for Mm-mm. some shows, depending I mean, on the on the type of show. But like when right. all of the shows that they keep casting are the ones with people of color leads and like people of color streamers, yeah. like that's a problem because like they spent how much millions of dollars on Friends, a show that was already in syndication on other networks and that people have the right. no one like let's be honest cares about like. Mm-hmm. Why? Like they spent millions of dollars money. on that. Yeah, but they spent millions of dollars and who's even watching it? No one talks about no, it. No one's watching it. And that's and that's my point. It's just like why you just spend like so much money for friends and but you have real good original content right here but I just I, this stupid model of like obviously it's their whole thing of like well it's cheaper to do it this way than producing a whole new show I'm like or you know original content because like who wants to eat do you want to keep making new shows every year which Netflix will but I'm with you I would really love it if Boo Assassins can just keep going and like I want to see where else the story goes before they decide they're like oh it's done it's done after two seasons because I'm like let just let the show go if the writing team thinks they can wrap it up in like four seasons three seasons whatever let that be on the production team if, mm-hmm. if, it, if a show isn't performing badly I don't see the point of like doing this whole oh it's gotta go on the chopping block now and now we have to like raise awareness so a show can get saved it just <laughs> seems dumb at the end of the day when it comes to Netflix yeah it doesn't make sense and to me it seems more shows to have the sweet spot to me for more shows is five seasons um, because Mm -hmm. that gives you time to develop storylines bring in new characters if you need to and it gives the actors time to find ground in their characters and just gives you more like yeah like five seasons or even as you said three seasons would be great for like a Netflix show but this show has potential Mm -hmm. because when you have like multiple characters so like there's five main characters which are the five assassins like you can devote each season to developing a particular character right because like I would Mm -hmm. say season one and then like the half of season two could be developing Kai while also developing Mm -hmm. Tony, um, Tommy, because like you're dealing with his um, his addiction and stuff, and and like the I think the, the writing team did a really good um, job balancing each like giving each 
specific character their own screen time and giving us time to get to know them so they did a really good job for season one I think and they can do it for season two and three and then you also mm-hmm. but then you also have shows like Stranger Things where when you let's face it it's three seasons and it's basically the same story being repeated over and over like pretty much yeah and I, I always thought like for me I thought um, Stranger Things would have worked better as an anthology series where each um, season is a bottle story is a specific story so like the first season could have been them dealing with the Demogorgons and then the second season would have been a completely different story and the same actors playing different characters I think that's mm-hmm. what they could have done I think that's what Stranger Things could have been but alas looks like season 4 is yeah. going to be the same thing again I, um, at this point at this point it's just like the, the Russians and <laughs> the, para- the parallel universe and then some other drama going on and I'm like and I love Stranger Things but it's like it's truly just becoming the, it's just it's just this 80s Spielberg nostalgia fest mm-hmm. which it's nothing wrong with it, with it aesthetically but at the same time I'm just like okay eventually this show gotta end so if it's the yeah. if the fourth season is the last season, I truly would be fine with it. They got But I'm with you. Up, right? Like, yeah. But I'm like, I'm more interested if next season they bring in the other kids, like Eleven's sister, and like where them other kids at. Like we know there are other children who were experimented on, and they out there. Oh yeah, so that's true. Like I would, oh, I would yeah. like to see more of that. Yeah, like more of that and more of like Lucas's sister and family. Like we were just like Reagan Gomez was talking about it on um on Twitter. Yeah. Where is like when you have like these predominantly white cast and then there's always the one person of color but you don't know much about their own story you don't know much about their own family <clears throat> excuse me and the same could be said for Lucas because we don't know much about Lucas's home life we know about Dustin we know about Will and Elevens and them, but we don't know much about Lucas's home life. We finally get to like it, some interactions with his little sister this last season, yeah. but we don't know anything. I mean, we don't know what he what it's like in his home with his family. Well, we only got like in the second season, we got like maybe two or three scenes with his parents and him like we know that he has both parents at home but it's like from first season of never seeing him with his parents Mm -hmm. at all to then the second season which I'm like okay cool he has parents Uh, good to know that he's just not out here running around and people actually are concerned about him Yeah. but then it's like it's, it's so I don't know I mean I just want I want the story to progress. So if we gonna find out what's gonna happen, I gotta find out what happened to Hopper. Cause spoilers, y'all. I don't think he did. No, no, he definitely he's, really he's alive in the end. Cause at the end of the the last episode, like one of the Russians, they said, "Oh no, not the American." And I'm like, "Yeah." So like he survived and he got sucked through the worm. The let's oh. call it a wormhole. So I'm guessing well, there that he's alive and he's giving them hell on the other side. So whoop de doo is gonna be like the upside down again. So basically, it's gonna be repeat yep. of season one. Um, but yeah, so like I'm hoping Wu Assassins gets a second season. Um, mm-hmm. I'm hoping that Netflix really does give them the chance and like puts more money and thought into producing more shows with people of color instead of just giving them one season and chopping them. And keeping shows like 13 Reasons Why, where people have such huge problems with it, and Orange is the New Black, and Friends, and whatever. Like, oh yeah. <sighs> like ugh, that show. Let's yeah. just. Yeah, we'll bypass no, that. So, what show, are, what show did you watch? Um. Okay, so the one I wanted to mention it was, I kind of have two, but this one is my main one. So, I started watching the show Working Moms. Mm-hmm. So, this one follows Kate. She's a PR executive, and her, Kate and her, long, Kate and her longtime friend, and um, who is also a no nonsense psychiatrist. They attend a judgmental mommies group where they meet their different friends 
um, at that point, like Jenny, frankly, whatever. Um, but the whole point of the show is like these women are working moms who are now going from leaving after maternity leave, they're returning to work. And now it's kind of like they are all going through this phase of trying to balance their careers, their being a wife, being a mother, but then also their lives as them like being like themselves and not losing themselves. So it kind of varies from each one. Each one has their own issues. One mom, and she just had her baby. She's about to go back to work. Finds out that she's pregnant again hey. with her, with another baby after she just had a baby like nine months ago. So it's kind of like, well, that, and they, they, she, she didn't expect to have another baby. And this pregnancy is like very, very hard on her body. So now her and her husband are dealing with the difficulty of like, well, what do we do? We can't afford another kid. So it's like, it's very interesting of seeing like a couple have this discussion where it's like the husband's excited about the baby, but she truly doesn't think she wants to keep the baby one because it's causing a lot of um, burden on her body mm-hmm. but then it's also like she just truly doesn't think they'll be able to afford the baby and she doesn't want to put another child through that if they can't do it right um the other mom kate the one who's a pr executive she's very much in this like boys club atmosphere at her job who and she's like very competitive but now she also is balancing being a mom and trying to go back to work and like not trying to neglect her child but she's also trying to she doesn't want to feel guilty about loving her job because she loves her job she doesn't want to stay at home with her child which i'm like i get that because i mean i don't have any children but i do love the career that i do so I don't think I I think I would be more on that side of just like, yeah, it's good to see somebody see that representation of like you don't have to stay at home after you've had a baby. You can do both. You can be a mom and have a career. I don't think I think that's something that women are always forced into choosing sometimes on t- in TV narratives. So I kind of like that she loves her job and she loves her child like she's not picking one over the other um but you know she's not picking her career over Mm -hmm. her child she still loves her job sorry that sounded wrong and then like the other mom she her name's frankie so frankie's dealing with postpartum which it's like i think seeing it on tv like some people like think postpartum is just like the mom is crying and depressed constantly and like struggling in different ways but i think it's good to see like different ways that postpartum can impact people where it's like she truly just checks out some days where she just like is like she goes her body goes on autopilot she's like i imagine if a car hit me one day Mm. and that sounded nice and it's just like it's she's not like think she isn't like actively trying to harm herself it's just that she's truly reached this part this um place in her mental health where she just is she's at a breaking point she and she needs care. help so yeah. she does in it yeah she does i mean in a doubt i don't think then the part where she's like with the therapist and she's talking she's like it's not that i don't care because i imagine that my i know my daughter needs me it's just like now she's trying to balance her mental health while still being a mother and her partner who is a um who like she and her partner they're lesbians so her partner you see the stress that that puts on her partner as well where she's like struggling to keep it together for both of them and they even have to have a discussion eventually about like I'm trying to like I can't take care of you and the baby so we need to get you the help that you need you need to see somebody so like it's everybody's dealing with their own stuff everybody's like going through it all um this is on netflix by the way i thought it was really good like it's humor it's like it's 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 a show created by women for women so i think it's really good like how they put in different lines and tones of like the issues that women deal with that men don't have to deal with when they go when like when the baby is born like it's a lot of pressure that women have 
when it comes to having a child and having a career that I don't think everyone's aware of. Like you have to go and pump your breast in your work at your workplace. You have to like do all these other challenges. So that was interesting. Yeah, no, it's hilarious. Well, um, like when I said that she doesn't care, I don't mean that she doesn't care about the baby thing, but it's just like um, it's like if something like for her, like you said, she was saying like if she got hit by a car, it's not she doesn't like if oh, it was yeah. to happen, she wouldn't like for her. It would be like she's not gonna she's not gonna react to this the same way like like most people oh, yeah. would if they don't because it's kind of like depression, right? Because like with depression, mm-hmm. like your brain is in a state where you're like you care about what's going on, but you're like you can't. It's like you. You, you can't bother yourself you to care. You can't bother yourself to care. It's like you look at people, you're like, mm-hmm. I love you, but then it's like, because I like I do get um like I do get dep- I I have been diagnosed with like depression, right? Because that's like mm-hmm. again MS, the gift that keeps on giving. But um mm-hmm. like there's times where you're like just lying there and you you can't be bother to care you you have no motivation right and it's like and then mm-hmm. like so i could only imagine where like if you have a, a child and you're going through postpartum depression like the baby's crying and like, you want to do something for the baby but you can't because like, your your brain and your your body just aren't willing to right you know so yeah. so i think that's that perfect sh- that Oh no! Sorry, go ahead. No, so I think it's good to have a show like that because, like, postpartum depression, for instance, is, it doesn't. It's something that is not even really talked about on TV in general. I think, like, um, mm-hmm. one of the few times it's been like really discussed and shown in a really, um, like, given good examples of it is like the Blackish episode, like from a few seasons ago, yeah. when Bo had um, postpartum depression and it was showing like how she was going through it. Don't mind, I think they kind of handled it bad mm-hmm. when it came to like how the husband Andre was interacting because I think he was a selfish jackass mm-hmm. but that's just me personally yeah. I don't like that character anyway Andre is um, I don't like him he's a lot he's he's, a, he's stubborn but like it's funny you mentioned little, but <laughs> yeah he, it's funny you mentioned Blackish because the show is created by Catherine Reitman mm-hmm. and she actually has worked on Blackish and she's appeared in the show she's the white woman executive in the at the marketing firm oh, the one, oh okay the one that the one they always like make the butt of the jokes yeah um when they're like in the room with all the guys I'm just like the one with the that's black hair I recognized her. yeah with the black hair ah uh, okay yeah I'm like and that's where I recognized her from and I'm like this is like this is really funny and I like how like they kind of like focus in like all, like the jokes and stuff but, like going back to like the postpartum thing I kind of want to look back and see like if she had anything to do with like writing that one I, I assumed that like um, Tracy Ellis Ross um, was like wrote that one also or worked on that one but I but you're right the Blackish episode was where I liked um, I liked the portrayal of it a lot because as we know the black community does not do well with mental health discussions all the time yeah, or it's no. not it's it's gotten better mm-hmm. than it's been but it's still like people don't understand like depression is not just something you can will away you, or yeah, you, pray you can't away just get over <laughs> yeah it's not something you can just get over and it's like when you're watching the character frankie going through her postpartum and you see like how it, it like it affects her but then you see how much it affects her partner. It's mm-hmm. not like she's doing this stuff on purpose. She's truly just not at a healthy point in with herself in order to be like, like, and she can't just will it away because as she tries to like push it and push through it, it's just like, she even says in like in the mommy group of like, oh, I just have a touch of postpartum. And it's just like, so you know, she's aware of her, aware of her depression, but like she knows she can't like, there's nothing she can really do about it. She has to, she's trying to work through it. So I think yeah. it's really good. But the show has like a lot of the ups and downs. There's drama. There's mess. Like lots of mess. Um, 
I watched the first three seasons on Netflix because they just dropped. I mean, I think the show was added recently, but I think you were talking about how it, because it's originally from Toronto. So I think you had said like it's a few years old. Yeah, it's a Canadian um, show because I remember seeing posters when I used to do babysitting. I seen posters like around town um, like mm-hmm. two and a half, possibly three years ago. So, so yeah, so it's, it's not a new show, but I guess it's for Netflix. Like I guess they acquired it recently. Yeah. It's Netflix's way of saying it's a Netflix original show when it like was already existing somewhere. Yeah, they so, do that because they do yeah. it. They, they do it with the K dramas too, right? They were like a Netflix original K drama. Mm-hmm. I'm like, really? No, you just acquired the rights from the from the the, the station like SBS or or OSN or one of those, right? Yeah. Netflix loves calling something an original when it ain't original. Yeah. Uh, oh, and then the honorary mention show I want to talk about that we both are familiar with is The Boys from <laughs> that's on Amazon Prime. So. The, the premise with this one basically is just like imagine if like the world of MCU was for real like in our world and there were actually superheroes but the superheroes are treated like celebrities mm-hmm. it would be and, I guess you could say it's the MCU and the DCEU right because a true. lot of the characters yeah. are like amalgamation of, of characters from both mm-hmm. the Marvel and DC true correct so it's kind of like that but it's like the very it's very it's done in a very realistic way of like all these heroes that people put on a pedestal and they praise them and they treat them as if they're gods because they're like they're they're saviors and everything but then it's like these people are still human and they still do terrible things and they still Mm -hmm. mess up and they're and they're not perfect so someone might accidentally kill someone's girlfriend because they were running super fast down the street and they Uh did not care to look or they were under the influence or someone some of them are just like very very terrible people and when that happens you have the boys who are like just this crew of regular humans who try to take them take them down or supposedly they try to take them down well, they um, try, yeah they try but like i just want to say like i really enjoyed this season i mean this the series so far i'm hoping it, i'm assuming we're getting a second season but the series the take so with us having so many superhero movies like in the past, let's say 20 years now, I don't know, it's been forever. But like, do you ever just feel burnt out a little bit with the storytelling? I, I do get burnt out and um, like I kind of lost interest in them. Like I watched Endgame mm-hmm. and because we discussed this during our um, Endgame podcast re- um, review and I'm like, yeah. I kind of didn't really care for Endgame or even about um, Spider-Man Homecoming, I was like, I kind of watched mm-hmm. it very disinterestedly and it was very interesting to me because I was like, I'm excited, but then like, I'm sitting on watching it and I'm like, meh. <laughs> and I don't know if it's like, there was like too many of them at one time and like, just yeah. like, bum, 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 bum. And it's like, then it was also the, the things that they, the, the things that happened, it's like, really? Like, a lot of stuff didn't make sense. Like today I was watching, um, in Infinity War, like my friends are staying with me for a couple of days, and we, we were watching Infinity War today, and I just watched, and like I was not said, I just kept watching, and I like so many stupid things happen, and I'm like, mm-hmm. when you look at it, like these films really aren't that well written, and I, it's that just like, thought occurred to me today. I'm like, when you look at it, these shows, these films, really like from an objective point of view are not that well written like so much shit happens because reasons like because they need it to mm-hmm. happen and not because it was good writing but it was a lot of it is plot convenience and I'm like this is not good writing yeah. right? it's like you can, it's like the rewatch value it's like when you watch it the first time it's okay 
But then it's like we're watching it the second time. It's like this is not like your the rose colored glasses are like take. At least this is like for me when I say that. Like there's just some movies I'm not gonna revisit because I'm like it's not that good when you watch it a second. Like Wonder Woman for me, I'm like I'm I'm gonna say it. Wonder Woman for me was not that good when you see it the second time. It's the 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 importance behind the film being made. You know, like being one like that movie having like the first female led superhero movies not counting Electra not counting Catwoman yeah but it's like you have like this huge draw and popularity and all that that that, mean, that movie means something so not taking anything away from that but when we go to the story it's not that good especially when you think of Wonder Woman when it could have been done better yeah like the mythos and lore that Wonder Woman is rich in and y'all decide to make her daddy Zeus and that's it. And like her daddy I, Zeus, and that explains that's that's how she's so powerful. No, I don't. And it's like, like <sighs> and, it's and, just, and and yeah, because like you're just saying like the rewatch value. Because I'm thinking, how much of these MCU films am I even really that excited to rewatch? I think there's very few that I'd be excited to rewatch. Like I could always watch over Iron Man. I could always watch yeah. over Black Panther. I could probably also always watch over Captain America: Winter Soldier. But mm-hmm. like the rest, Endgame, Infinity War. Guardians of the Galaxy, nah. boo. Um, I, like no interest. I mean, Ant Man and Wasp is one I enjoy. Yes, but yeah, like the, and the second there's, one. There's one. There's just like ones that like. Oh, this is good because like, like none of the Thors except for Ragnarok because mm-hmm. it's entertaining and it's good and it takes like a deeper level. But like, I'm, I'm with you. Like some of these movies just get you get burnt out on them. So then going back to the boys. I really enjoyed how refreshing the story was because I like stories where the good guy isn't perfect. Yes. And and I'm being nice when I say that because like these heroes are terrible. You have like they're trash. the seven. <laughs> they're tra- straight trash. The seven who are basically the amalgamation of like the Justice League and the Avengers who are yes. supposed to be like the best superhero team ever. And it's like, well, the deep who is like the Aquaman dude is like a sexual offender uh, mm. and harasser. Um, so he's a sexual predator. Then you have the Queen Maeve who like she's just trying to go along with everything and she's like, turning a blind eye to all the shit that other, other other heroes do then you got I can't remember what the one dude name is like he's Superman and um, Captain America Ugh, oh what's gosh. his name I'm looking up on M- I'm IMDB I remember uh he is Highlander, Homelander, Homelander, Homelander. Yeah, which that name, okay. <laughs> that Homelander being just like supposed to be the perfect picture of Superman and Captain America and American Pie rolled into one. It's just like, but he's like a psychomaniac. He is one. He is one. Not even one bad day because he's done bad shit. He's he just crazy. does terrible things. He's a sociopath. He has a god complex, a true god complex, and it's like it shows. He get, he it's to the point where he don't even care. He people know he hate regular people. He's just like oh really? Because I've only seen him to episode four, but like there that show is interesting, and I I started watching mm-hmm. it, and I had but I had to stop because like mentally because it's so dark mm-hmm. and it's like so yeah like as you said like most of the main characters like are a bunch of social um psychopaths and sociopaths and like yeah sex offenders. I'm like I am not in the right frame of mind to watch this show. <laughs> Yeah, I'll, you gotta I'll take a break because it, it's it's well made. It's very well acted. I think the actor, oh yeah, Home, Homelander, Carl Anthony Urban? Starr. 
yeah yeah the cast is I, um, was really the cast is really well um was really well picked and like the writing is really good the costumes are very interesting but i was not in the correct frame of mind to finish watching that show i'm like yeah no i need something happy <laughs> so yeah but yeah i'll pick it up eventually again oh yeah i mean it's just like it's so good so then like with the story moving forward like i like the whole it needs to like i like that these superheroes have to be held to some kind of justice or like you can't like the whole point the premise is like they want to well the whole premise is based on revenge because the main dude's wife goes missing and he like that's something that's revealed later on oh sorry I forgot you're only up to episode four girl spoilers don't mean nothing to me because I can still watch it and enjoy it (laughs) that's true but I guess okay so I'll just give a brief overview so like the whole thing is that like the rose colored glasses I'm just gonna use that term again comes Mm -hmm. off for this guy who is just like always thought like he never really like praised the supers like a lot but like he like regarded them as like yeah they help people safe like they like they're the most powerful beings like they're chose divinely from God to like have these powers and then it's like one day because him and his girlfriend like she literally took one step off the curb and they were just talking and then she gets ran through by a train the super speed dude and it's just like what the heck it's just like that scene like made me like oh my god why i just i could not i couldn't believe that they actually did that in like less than like 15 minutes into the show and i'm like so i'm hooked and it's like wow it, it really shaped like and so like this guy's like what do you mean the superheroes aren't great people what do you mean like and he's like he's like our lens of looking at like your heroes are never like what is it never meet your heroes yeah because they all turn to shit yep <laughs> yep because they they're just the worst of the worst and like i like that the plot of the show goes deeper than just him wanting to get revenge and wanting to like prove that his girlfriend's death wasn't an accident or like it was an accident but it was like done because somebody did was doing something shady um and just like overall the whole thing is like goes deeper and it was like i said it's refreshing because i'm like i said i need something new when it comes to these superhero shows like i'm excited with all the announcements from the disney plus but at the same time i'm like i just need something different sometimes and i think this show did it for me i'm just like i need a different angle of this story like i love captain america and them but i need more yeah of like variety so i, I highly recommend it yep I feel but you. pace yourselves yep um so then let's wrap things up and head on into the movie corner Right, and for our movie corner, for me, I'm going to talk about Sympathy for Lady Vengeance, aka Lady Vengeance, mm-hmm. by Park Chan Wook, Korean mm. writer and director. And I love this film. So, this is a part of his Vengeance trilogy. So, everyone knows Old Boy, um, but there is also there's Old Boy, there's Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, and then Lady Vengeance was the third. And out of the tr- trilogy, this is my favorite. Um, mm. So, it was done in 2005, and part of okay. my. Um, summer plans recuperation plans was binging films and tv shows i didn't get to watch as much as i wanted to because you know had to sleep but mm-hmm. um this one stars uh young a um play who plays uh e gumja and Choi min sik who plays mr beck um kim sihoon who plays gun sik and kwan ye young who plays jenny and so this film is 
about this woman who at 19 years old was accused of murdering this seven-year-old boy, kidnapping and murdering him, and she confessed to it. And so she was placed in prison for 13 years. Mm. I know what's going on my door. Um, and then she comes out and you're not quite sure what the plot is. And well, if you look mm-hmm. it up on Wikipedia, you find it. But I was like, I want to go through this um, and see what is going on. And to me, this film is beautiful. I think is out of the trilogy, I think it's the most interestingly shot. Like the story to me is more cohesive. It's more precise. Um, on Twitter, I described it as being uh, like a sharp, precise blade compared to um, like Old Boy and Mr. Vengeance, which I compare to being more like a blunt, uh, blunt edged um, tool or like mm-hmm. a hammer. And the way like Parchan like wrote this, it, to me, like the female, like he wrote the female characters were written way better for this film mm. than the other ones and like he also did another film called The Handmaiden and I like how he writes his characters like his female characters are strong um, but mm. like they're not strong at the um, expense of like vulnerability like his characters like if they want to be angry he has no problem showing them being angry and like screaming or just like crying in frustration and and, mm. and it's not about looking pretty and it's not about um you know, like trying to make sure that they appeal. Like you, like he doesn't want you to like them. But okay. Uh, but if you like them, that's because of how you relate to the characters. Like, like when you uh. write an antihero, like some people write an antihero because they're like, I'm gonna give them something for you to like about them. Like this woman, like like I like her because um, and the reason I like her is because she she sets her mind on this plan she's very methodical in how she approaches like her her revenge plot and like yeah. as it happened and, and like she was so like she went to this um this all women's prison and like she met all of these women and these women are helping her achieve her goal and when you see mm. why and wh- why and how they're helping her i think it was brilliant because it shows like everyone has a reason for doing something and in this film mm-hmm. everything that happens is for a reason like every little detail that you see is for a reason um and i mm. love that about his films like he's very intentional and with how he did it. and um I think she's one of the best anti-heroes I've seen and mm-hmm. it's like she doesn't care like she'd insult people and she just <laughs> lay waste to your emotions and walk away and act like nothing happened and she's but then when you realize why she's carrying out this revenge plot like you realize that she does have a heart or excuse me she does have a heart and the, and and she, but she had to like she's cold to everybody else but to a few people and okay. you think that she doesn't love people but it's the way she shows love it's interesting like her the way she shows love is like her talking to you she's like I, I talked I love you so I'm giving you my attention I'm paying attention ah. to you right I and see yeah so I think that's a very interesting way to write a character but I love the aesthetics like it's beautifully shot The a lot of still there's a lot of scenes individual scenes that like look like um artwork there's some that you look like i can take a picture of this one particular scene and frame it and put it up and blow it up and put it up on a wall and it looks like a piece of art like he's he's very visual um so i love the film like i would recommend it to watch for anyone it's not as bloody or i would say as violent as um old boy or mr vengeance though there is a scene that is quite brutal but it serves a purpose it's like Mm. and that's the thing with his films um 
um, that I would say that separate him from a lot of other directors who are trying to do violence and stuff. Like, it's not gory because it ha- be- just be for the sake of being gory. Like, if there's like blood or whatever, it's because like mm-hmm. something has happened. It's like I, I'm not. He's like he's not into gr- gratuitous violence. Is the way I should say. It's not like torture porn. Yeah, that's like actually serves. A, that's and that's good. I think that's good to like know the difference for some people because I you like I think it's very obvious when some movies do things for just like the shock of like, shock appeal mm-hmm. where it's like I'm glad like I'm glad that you like you made that clear that it's not like done just to be like horrific and like to shock people because I'm not a fan of that where it's like it, everything doesn't have to be for like shock value yeah it's 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 nice to like have some purpose behind it if we're gonna if you're gonna be brutal let like, let there be some like some purpose behind it and some of these things exactly like if like for instance, if there's like a whole bunch of blood, it's because, for instance, like the weapon used, like if someone used a hammer, like mm-hmm. there's gonna be blood or whatever. But it's not like yeah. mad sprays of blood like you would watch in a Quentin Tarantino movie, like where you see like blood yeah. spurting all over the place. Like why? Like no, um, like a head chop off, and that means everything spurts out in a shower of blood. <laughs> yeah, like it's not anything like that. It's not gratuitous at all, and um, mm-hmm. he doesn't linger on like, you know, like like people being like stabbed or whatever like a lot of anything like if you see Benson is like he shows you the person committing the act to show you like their emotions and their face and like to show so and their body to so, so you can like see how they are what's the word I'm looking for like so you can not relate to them but so you see how this is affecting the person perpetrating the act mm. and it's not and it's not I to see. make you sympathize with them but it's like a part of the story and I, I love that um, so yeah so I love his films I, he's one of my favorite directors I love this one so I would say out of the trilogy this is my personal favorite and I mm. think I, I I think it's maybe in my top 10 films I said when after I watched I'm like I might have to rework my top 10 list because uh, I it, his other film The Handmaiden I love that film but I think this this may have replaced The Handmaiden Ooh. in my top 10 films <laughs> and see I love The Handmaiden that is one of my favorite ones so I am very much interested in seeing this one too if this is one of his that, that, knowing that he did The Handmaiden yeah so, like he writes really good. he writes really good female characters yeah which going back to like what you said about that in the beginning like uh, um, at the beginning of that of just like I like when when it comes to characters especially female characters when people can like write them and like not make them seem so one-dimensional with their Mm -hmm. emotionals like actually letting them experience like you said like their like experience rage and experience frustration and crying so like we can like see them do that versus like i feel like for years women characters like if they were action stars they couldn't cry they couldn't have like any emotion they could only be like tough or like cynical or sexy they couldn't just be like all they couldn't experience all those emotions they just had like one face and that was it so i always applaud like when people can do that really well with characters yeah like um like, as i said like for his characters like for this uh, even for the handmaiden like the two femaleies like they're what we would say quote unquote are the heroes but they do things that mm-hmm. make you not necessarily like them but mm-hmm. you can understand them, and I understand. And that's why, like, I like when, and like as I said, like um, Kuncha would be considered a, a anti-hero, and she does things you don't mm-hmm. like. But you can understand her reasoning, and you understand why she's doing it. And like even for villains, that's why I like if a villain is well written. Like I'm not gonna sympathize yeah. with them because, like, especially with like an evil, like completely evil. But if you handle the writing the right way, where it like if they're if they're evil, like make it make sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. And I, like, for instance, like, I think one of the worst villains 
ever and in the MCU for sure is Thanos and that's because like his reasoning didn't make yeah. sense he did not make he sense. did not make sense I'm like you're gonna destroy half the universe to bring balance you can't destroy half something and make balance that's not how balance works you need equal size for something to balance right so I'm like yeah like one plus because... one equals two which is perfect at <laughs> which is perfect unity and you have balance so you take away one it's no longer balanced the scale is gonna tip so like I'm like you're again like when the, when the argument can always be shut down by you could have just doubled everything exactly if you if your argument was there's not enough resources to go around that's make, a lie make more. you're just a mass genocide genocidal murderer mm-hmm. because you could have just doubled the resources in space exactly. but you didn't exactly so and like the fact that no one ever mentioned that to him <laughs> just know, like right? shows that like, no one ever thought to say why don't you just like you have the power like double everything like you don't have to kill everyone you could just make it so there's sufficient amount for everyone you don't even have to double everything you could just make sure there's a sufficient amount like to feed everyone exactly to make there enough room and i'm just like yeah that was the stupidest part they should have just made him evil they should have just made him evil he shouldn't he shouldn't have had he he just his cause wasn't like y'all could have just like said he likes death and destruction exactly and just let and and then it was all for lady death you could have just left that in there yeah try to make him altruistic when it's like yeah your altruism makes no sense that's like when it was at SCCC I went to the panel Mm -hmm. the Hollis discussion with the two writers McFeeney and Lord can't remember the other one's name and they said some things and I'm like uh, you two are contradicting each other which shows that neither of you were actually fully thought out because they said some things and had me pause I was like did they say what I think they just said do you not understand what you yourself even wrote like so like this yeah. was a lot of it was that people like oh I know people all say about Marvel would be like oh they had this huge plan yes they had this huge plan but when it came to the individual writing for the stories shit they make sense and when you listen to that panel it's because they contradicted themselves quite often during that panel and they were disagreeing yep. on a lot of things and they were saying things that were like didn't sound well like they themselves didn't have very well thought out plans when it came to the storylines they had yep they were thought out in like way they where they wanted the characters to be right yep. like, they're showing their um, they show like basically like, their vision board they say okay we're gonna have these characters in this film and that was great like they planned that all out but the individual storylines themselves was a mess mm-hmm it's a mess and it's just like it shows very clearly and I think it's just like someone I, I truly believe that the true intention for Thanos should have been kept that he was just like this I guess the word is it warmongering whatever that he was just like this brutal murderous titan it should have been kept like that because that's what was built up for like what 10 years that mm-hmm. Thanos was this big unknown this big bad and Instead, I feel like Marvel decided to do the Marvel thing of like, let's try to make y'all care about this villain. I'm like, I don't want to care about a mass murderer. Mm-hmm. I really don't. You see how it doesn't work? Even if you try to make us feel like that's how, like it doesn't work. You know what I like? I like Darkseid. And that's why Darkseid will always be the better villain to me besides a Thanos. Why? Because Darkseid just likes conquering and destruction. Mm-hmm. That's a villain. Just mm-hmm. leave it at that. Mm-hmm. But, who? I'm not... We gonna we gonna get off track, <laughs> but that is but again a great discussion about like how people write villains, and I just feel like we are in an age where a lot of people like to write different like like to write villains in a way, and I feel like we're still trying to discover how to write villains in a way that like people can see themselves in them, but is is it still be messy? It still be yeah. a mess. Mm-hmm. So, but like you said, like you can take a villainous character and make them multi dimensional. It, yeah, and it can be done well. Yes. So, it's not impossible. Um, 
and to close out so oh sorry did you have anything else you want to add about uh, the movie no just watch it it's um i don't know it's not on netflix but if you can find it streaming somewhere stream it watch it rent a dvd wait no there are no places you can rent okay. dvds anymore right <laughs> <laughs> stream it gotcha. if you can stream it somewhere <laughs> find it online yep. it's a great film <laughs> Yeah, we'll figure it out. Y'all, we know y'all have your ways, um, just like we do. So, with my movie to close things out, I watched Falling in Love. Ah, yes. Um, yes. Falling in Love follows city girl Gabrielle, played by Christina Milian, as she wins a rustic New Zealand inn and finds herself with a money pit on her hands. Luckily, she has a hunky contractor, Jake, to help whip it into the bed and breakfast of her dreams. Um... So this is from Netflix. I was about to say Netflix. <laughs> um, I should say Net Net Net. Nope, I'm gonna mess it up. Net flops. There we go. Because um, this one kind of flopped for me. Mm. Um, but I will say, if you enjoy romantic comedies and you just enjoy trashy romantic comedies, this is a great movie for you. If you just want to have a night of feeling romantic or like all the romantic tropes in a movie get some wine and watch this movie because it's perfect for that but do not watch it if you was hoping for anything new it is not to all the boys i ever loved it is not like the set it up movie like i'm going like the other netflix romantic comedies it checks off the boxes for me like you got okay you got this woman you got this woman who's the the love interest the leading woman but it's like it's the same tired trope of like this career woman who has her whole life planned out and when things don't go her way uh she decides to move to new zealand and fix up this inn that is dilapidated but then she is very headstrong and independent woman who doesn't take advice from anybody especially not the hunky man who helped her so she always feels like she's being explained to which they said like i don't need you to mansplain things to me which it's just like he's just being nice exactly it's not it's just me and it's just like it's the banter thingy going back and forth i'm just like I see where y'all were trying to go with this, but I'm like, I'm also very tired of like this whole, like the career woman who's too busy for love or like she's so focused and has her life planned out that she's waiting for like the current boyfriend to propose to her. And it's just, uh, I got tired of it. But like, the, they got New Zealand accents and the man is, and the leading man is hot. So he is. He very high. Something like that did it for me. I mean, it, and I love Christina Milian when like she, Christina Milian. I think about it, she's done a lot of like these kind of movies, like you know the Lifetime romantic movies or Hallmark. Because I think of the Snow Globe. I think that she was in that one. Oh yeah, um, that was from like a while ago. Yeah, it's kind of like that same formula. <laughs> yeah, um, and I mean like romantic com- romantic comedies are what they are like. I don't ever expect for them to be super deep, but it's kind of like seeing to all the boys I ever loved. That was like such a good one. Like that's just like, and like now I feel like I hold romantic comedies to that, to that standard or like um, the one with Ali Wong and Randall Park. Uh, uh, always be my maybe. Yes, always be my maybe. So like that one, and then like set it up was even a good one with uh, Lucy Liu and Tay Diggs and yeah, the two assistants that were setting up. Like th- those were like ones lately I've seen more recently that I'm like these are good romantic comedies, and like this one is like a trashy one, which is nothing wrong with trashy romantic comedies. Like not saying it's garbage, but it just it's one of those that are gonna like hit all the boxes. It's like something that's on Lifetime. And you just want to watch, and mm. you want to feel romance, but yeah, it's yeah. It's, it's like a lifetime of home. I just said a lifetime of home, my movie, and like I watched it, and I was like, 
it's typical it's like they had every trope yeah um, they could imagine her falling mm-hmm. off for no reason her suitcase busting open which makes no sense because it has a zip how does something with a zip just suddenly yep. but randomly bust open and then closes up and then stuff opens like it. that like, shit don't make sense she's clumsy she's walking around in heels on a dirt road like, she falls over he she... catches her he helps her he she's in town she's not planning to stay there for long because she wants to get back to her quote-unquote real life and like instead of like being in this nice New Zealand town with all these good people like the whole like it's not nosy small town neighbors kind of like uh, yeah and it's like okay so have you ever seen Money Pit with Tom Hanks yeah it's like that one so I love that one and it kind of like I guess when I was watching the trailer I'm like oh is it gonna be like Money Pit because I love I really really love that one as a romantic comedy but obviously I'm not hoping it for it to be shot for shot but I do like the whole montage romance banter goofiness happening of trying to fix up a house together and like this hot man being your contractor and whatnot and like the sex like no sexual tension none of that there's ba- there's bantering but like there was no like I don't know there was no like that that chemistry was missing there kind of between yeah. them like yeah they, they argued cute. and yeah they argued he like kind of he was flirting with her trying to help her she was stubborn and didn't want his help and everybody else you're accepting help from everybody else in the city i mean in this town so i don't know i mean it's a good trashy trashy in a good way romantic comedy to like just check off all the trope boxes if somebody were to ever were looking for that it's yeah. not terrible but it's not gonna don't think I don't when I compare it to like Netflix's other romantic comedies it just doesn't stack up with those no and that's it's, okay. a, it's a light it's a light watch yeah I like that better it's a light watch cause I'll be honest the last 30 minutes I started just like skipping through to like get to the end but yeah but I do like that there was a woman of color as the lead in, as the lead mm-hmm. Uh, romantic interest because more of that please i would really like to see more of it yes and we'd also like to see it with more with other people of color as the love interest as well not always just for yeah. the person of color with the white person can we also get more people of color please mm. yeah yes. that'd be nice too i will say i did like also seeing like the um well i and now i think about it i don't know if, if i liked it too much like the the, the couple that owned the coffee shop no, I feel like dang because they threw them in there. I hope they weren't like thrown in there to just be like, "Ooh, let's throw in some LGBTQ representation mm-hmm. real quick." I hope they weren't just thrown in there and like, but dang. After I thought about it now, I hope that wasn't the case. Yeah, because I really like the I like the couple. I yeah, they were good. They were like, funny. <laughs> they were funny together, like how they like kind of played off each other. I'm like, I I guess I don't think they were just thrown in there because I actually enjoy that they like weren't continually seen throughout the movie. So they weren't just like supposed to be, oh, the gay best friends that help her. They were like actually their own characters. So, but yeah, that is my movie. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I think with, that's it for us. That is it. We did it. We are back and we have done it. So with that, where can they find you, Carolyn? Uh, everyone can find me on Twitter at Carrie C N H twelve C A R R I E C N H one two, and at Instagram with the same um, handle as well. I'm always on Twitter. Lenny Chanel talking about films, TVs, animes, mm-hmm. um, thirsting as per usual. You know, just talking about mm-hmm. random stuff, deep stuff, politics, entertainment. We're multifaceted women. Yes, yes, we are. We are. We are. We can. We can thirst while critiquing. 
because we exactly. are like you said we are multifaceted mm-hmm. um but we haven't had a good baywatch session in a while it's so true. we gotta we gotta bring ba- oh no not baywatch baycourt baycourt we need to do a baycourt we have to find um a, a, a topic because the last case. one it, because <laughs> a new case because the last one we did it um hot man with glasses we need we need we, a, yeah. we need a new we need a new uh a, a new case so we just have and to we've come already up with done one. beards so we can't and do beards. beards but maybe we can well, maybe we should do something for seasonal like for either fall? like Halloween, the fall or like Halloween. Mm. Or we can do two. We, we can, can do, do one for fall and one for Halloween. For fall, I lo- because it's mm. not beginning of fall, we can do hot men in coats or trench coats or scarves Ooh. or something. Ooh, I do like a coats. hot man in a trench coat. Yes. Okay, we're gonna write this down for those of you who are hot no, I have no idea. Me and Carolyn. <laughs> yes. For y'all who don't know what we're talking about, so me and Carolyn, this is probably like a year or two ago, we were talking. Yeah, <laughs> we yeah, were joking. We done it. <laughs> it's been a while, but like we kind of yeah. came up with the term Bay Court um, when mm. someone was talking about men not people not looking good in glasses. So we decided, mm. like, oh, let's bring this discussion <laughs> to the floor of panel, and it kinda, exactly. and people just ran with it. People really just yeah. ran with it and joined mm. in. So mm-hmm. that was fun. So look up hashtag Bay Court. Yeah. Yes, y'all can check you it out to, and yeah. join in with that. Um, oh, also, you can find me also on Twitter at la underscore n e y underscore s h a. Yes, I'm also over there with Carolyn, Thurston after men talking about anime recommendations, yelling mm-hmm. at the toxic fanboys mm-hmm. like I do, um, doing the Lord's work truly. <laughs> and yes. with that, oh, and also don't forget to follow our shows. Pod, not podcast duh don't forget to show the podcast twitter handle it's at shwh underscore pod where we love to take recommendations if y'all have something you want to watch that you've read or anything that you want to share with us we love engaging over there too um we need to i think for in addition to doing a bay court session we definitely need to do something for halloween Yes, we have like to do a live some, tweet. We can do a live tweet. A live tweet. Yeah, and there's like so many good classics. Like I already want to do Hocus Pocus. I can't. Mm. I, I can't. I can't go one year without doing Hocus Pocus. Mm. I've watched that so many years. Or Vampire in Brooklyn because it's now on Amazon Prime. Oh, really? With Angela, Bass- with Angela Bassett. Yes, we can do that, or we can also, and we can also do maybe like a Werewolf in London. Or my yes. favorite, one of my or one of my favorite movies, Underworld. Hello. Oh yeah. Oh, you see, see y'all. Okay, we got things coming for you for the fall and for October for the spooky months, and you know the holidays are right around the corner. So we gonna mm-hmm. have y'all. We got live tweets coming. So be sure to follow us again. That's at shwh underscore pod. We look forward to talking to y'all again soon. Until then, see ya. And also um, for September, look out oh, yeah. for TIFF coverage because I'll be covering the Toronto International Film Festival on behalf of um, So Here's What Happened, and I'll be providing film reviews, tweets. Um, you can follow my, you can follow my coverage um, for tweets with hashtag shwhpodtiff t i f f. Um, so look out for that. There's already a couple of posts where I have my most my most anticipated films for TIFF. And um, there'll be announcements, film reviews, interviews with um, directors, writers, actors, fingers crossed. So look out for that as well. Also, yes, that's right. I'm glad you mentioned that because that is coming up right around the corner too. So more exclusive interviews and Carolyn doing her thing at film festivals. So y'all keep an eye out for that. Yay. All right. Yay. And with that, we'll see y'all soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.